Stand Up For The Truth is sponsored by Lakeshore Communications Incorporated and made possible by your generous tax-deductible donations at StandUpForTheTruth.com slash donate. This is Stand Up For The Truth, a packed hour of challenging discussion addressing important issues and topics affecting Christians across the nation. Join the conversation via email at comments at StandUpForTheTruth.com. Now, David Fiorazzo. Good morning, brothers and sisters in Christ. Thank you so much for tuning in. Hope you had an awesome weekend. Um, can't wait to get to our guest today. It's author month here. We've had so many great authors on the podcast and um, just so blessed to talk to some of these men and women of God. But um, very special guest today and can't wait to get into her book. But first I want to remind you, just reading in Acts chapter 4 this morning, just verse 11 and 12, Jesus is the stone which was rejected by the builders, but which became the chief cornerstone. And there's salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven that has been given among mankind by which we must be saved. Why do I read that before opening today? Because we're talking about a lot of junk when it comes to government, culture, the invasion of the left and socialism and progressivism and all these things that a lot of Christians might want to avoid, but we've got to address them. We've got to expose the deeds of darkness and, of course, trust God in the process, understanding that we are saved by faith. And uh, we just uh, I want to just remind you of that before we get into the, the stuff we're going to talk about today. But a great topic, very important, and uh, talk about the new administration and what they're doing as well, briefly. But let's open up. Father, thank you for giving us another chance to uh, talk about things that matter. And I pray in Jesus' name you'd encourage those who are in need of encouragement today. Uh, Give them hope, Lord. Remind them of the hope that they already have as believers in Christ. We thank you for your Holy Spirit. Thank you for empowering us and giving us wisdom And we need more wisdom every day, Father, and uh, show us how to respond to what's happening around us in our culture, in our sphere of influence, and uh, nationally. We love you. We thank you for the freedoms that we have in this country. And we lift up this hour and this day to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Special guest today, Cheryl Chumley. She is an author, commentary writer, and a licensed private investigator, podcast host. She's the online opinion editor for The Washington Times, one of those sources that I recommend (laughs) as far as true journalism. She's the author of The Devil in D.C., Winning Back the Country from the Beast in Washington, and Police State USA, How Orwell's Nightmare is Becoming Our Reality. And she's also a 2008-2009 Robert Novak Journalism Fellow with the Fund for American Studies. She's worked for years in newspaper journalism, winning numerous investigative and hard news awards in the process particularly for her use of the Freedom of Information Act and Sunshine Laws to hold government officials accountable. Yay. And in uh, Radio Newsroom, she's hosted, produced, she writes, and uh, Cheryl is an Army veteran on top of everything else who currently lives in Northern Virginia with her husband, two of their four children, a golden retriever and a cat, and in her spare time, as if she has some, Cheryl spent four years serving as a CASA volunteer, that's a court-appointed special advocate, to help judges make the difficult decision about where abused and neglected children should live. Her brand new book we're going to talk about today, Socialists Don't Sleep, Christians Must Rise or America Will Fall. Cheryl Chumley, welcome to Stand Up For The Truth. It's great to be with you. Thank you so much for having me. You're very welcome, Cheryl. Well, I want to get into your background a little bit to introduce you to our audience before we start. We've got a couple of your articles here to touch on, but definitely want to focus mm-hmm. on your book. By the way, it's it's doing very well on Amazon, so kudos for writing a great book and a popular book. Thank you. Yeah, and Thank I know you've, you. you've done a lot of interviews on it. So, Cheryl, your background, how did you get into journalism, and were you brought up in a certain faith? Um, Well, to answer your first question, I got into journalism because um, when I was younger, I was good at writing, 
And um, I like writing fiction, but I thought that getting into journalism uh, as an investigative journalist, that's where I actually wanted to head, would be something interesting and exciting. Mm. And um, it has. It has been uh, both interesting and exciting. <laughs> and I love I, I love being able to have a voice to uh, sway uh, the direction of modern day discussions mm. to the Constitution that founding fathers envisioned, uh, the type of government they envision for our nation. So I like having that sort of influence. And to answer your second question, um, my faith actually was atheist. Uh, for the longest time, I was I was born and raised in Massachusetts, which is pretty much secular. Mm-hmm. Um, it, you know, a lot of, lot of atheists uh, live in Massachusetts, and uh, I was raised in that atmosphere. Uh, I did go to church. My, my parents made me go to church, curiously enough. It was a Unitarian <laughs> Universalist church. But they only did it because they thought it was a nice place um, where I could stay out of trouble. But they didn't believe in the Bible or anything. Um, so it, it basically was an atheist upbringing. And still at this point in my life, for the the more the better part of my life, I've been an atheist than a Christian. Um, nowadays, of course, I'm a open, card-carrying, unapologetic <laughs> Christian. And I appreciate your voice. I've read your articles for years, and that's why I'm so blessed to have you on the podcast. And uh, glad you. you're a believer. We need so much more light in our culture, but specifically in journalism. Um, I, there's one question I, I don't want to run out of time before I get to today, and that is how, in your opinion, since journalism has changed dramatically, and now we've got the Democrat media pretty much covering for uh, progressives and socialists and uh, an administration like Joe Biden's, like the Obama's. Um, how has journalism changed over the years since you got in? And, and if you could just share a couple of your thoughts and uh, opinions on that. Well, I have been sort of that lone voice in the wild in many of the newsrooms in which I've worked because I've been the Christian conservative. Um, and I have to say, the the people I've worked with in newsrooms, they're nice people, right? And not all of them, especially in local news, not all of them have this sort of evil intent to take over uh, the country and, mm-hmm. and ramrod in some socialist type of government. But a lot of them just speak in that same bubble, right? They, they live... Uh, with liberals. They work mostly with liberals. Mm. They look at government as if it's a good thing. And that, to me, is the biggest change in journalism, that so many journalists, instead of looking at government as not the enemy, but somebody to question constantly, to hold them at an arm's length and work uh, to get the news the people need, not mm. the government wants to put out. Mm-hmm. That's been the biggest change. Uh, a press that has not been watched uh, except, of course, when Donald Trump is in office yeah. or Republicans. So, so that's the biggest change I've seen. Okay, yeah, I would even say attack dogs. They've, they've, they went from watchdogs to yeah. attack dogs. Um, and, I, and I don't want to stray too far because there's so much to talk about, but when, <laughs> when Sarah Palin was on the VP ticket with John McCain in 2008, that's when I thought the final nail of objective journalism died because of their attack. Before Trump derangement syndrome, there was Palin derangement syndrome. Uh, do you, did you see something before that, or was that just like the most blatant, wow, this is really sad how they've all just basically jumped on uh, the Democrat bandwagon? Yeah, I, I got to say the Sarah Palin effect was huge, mm-hmm. and I experienced that firsthand at my own newspaper. Mm. Um, I was working in local news then, and my editor, whom I respected, uh, she was a nice lady and she did a decent job, but she wrote this scathing, vicious attack uh House editorial, which means it was supposed to have been the newspaper stand, unsigned editorial, on Sarah Palin. I mean, it was, it didn't even use facts as basis for attacking her. It just attacked her for all the wrong reasons. Mm. And I thought, wow, this is, this is why Americans hate the media. At least the conservatives in America hate the media because of pieces like this, because of attacks, uh, that are more emotional in tone than they are fact based. So 
I, I would have to say that with Sarah Palin, uh, like you, that's when it really was an eye opener. Yes. Um, okay. Let's jump into a couple of your newer articles before we get into your book. And what I'm just looking at the time here. We're not going to get to your article, which I thought was very well written. Americans may finally be Corona weary. We're hoping. <laughs> we're hoping that more people will finally say yes. I'm weary, and I'm going to say something and do something about it. But um, you wrote one about the uh, stimulus. The $1.9 trillion um, COVID relief package and relief in quotes, I think, or COVID relief, you can put that in quotes. You say um, Biden swings into socialist gear with huge tax hike plan. Uh, a lot of Christians and conservatives don't really pay attention to all this, Cheryl, and I appreciate you writing on it. You say Biden's plotting a course to bring on the biggest national tax hike since 1993. Why? He's a Democrat. That's what Democrats do. Could you really show or just share with us a couple of your bullet points here from that article, which I thought uh, it goes very well with your other article on Democrats stage COVID-19 rescue that's less rescue, right? Yeah. Um, well, this tax hike plan that Biden is floating is just breaking now, right? But honestly, didn't we already know this? Didn't we already know that Democrats uh, with Joe Biden in the White House would push forward a tax hike that we haven't seen in years, mm -hmm. mainly because Democrats haven't held all the significant slots of power uh, across the board for years? So now we have this recent $1.9 trillion stimulus that Biden just pushed for and signed into law, right? And who's going to pay for it. So it basically, it's a socialist plan because now you have to dip into taxpayer pockets yeah. to pay other taxpayer pockets. That's taking from Peter to pay Paul. That's the clear socialist, uh, you know, way of way of doing business. And not only the stimulus, but now Biden, he has his climate change agenda. He's put us back into these foreign entities, the World Health Organization and other UN bodies where we once again have to resume paying millions of dollars in fees and so forth. Yeah. Uh, he, he's got the, the green uh, energy plan that is being pushed by Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, uh, gun control with all the regulatory clampdowns, and not to mention opening borders, right, to let in migrants uh, coming from nations where they're used to taking from the government uh, entitlements, coming into this nation, flowing across the borders, expecting government handouts here, too. We're on a crash course for an mm -hmm. economic crumbling in this nation, and it's due entirely to the socialist-type policies and agendas that Biden and his band of merry Democrats have been pushing. And I appreciate you so much for writing about these things. Before we, I get to my next question, Cheryl, um, what other than the Washington Times uh, news outlets would you recommend to Christians and conservatives and independents that really want fair reporting and truth? Well, it, this answer might surprise you a little bit, but I would recommend all. But mm. I would caveat that by saying you need to go to more than one. I look at CNN and MSNBC, but I do it as a way of seeing what the enemy is putting out there yeah. to strengthen my yes. own positions, right? Mm -hmm. So conservatives should not, and Christians should not be just talking points for the conservative base. You need to arrive at your own opinions based on your own research. So I say look at as many as you want, but at least look at more than one, because you're not going to get the truth if you only go to one source continuously. Uh, if I had to pick a couple sources, of course, the Washington Times is, is at the top. Newsmax TV is great. One American News. Fox mm -hmm. News, of course, is still good. But, you know, go to them all and form your own opinion. Thank you. I love that answer. I love because I'm typically promoting all the conservative or Christian based out but yes, that's a good point. Know what the enemy's doing. Um, in your other article, uh, it's on the same topic, you say Democrats just can't help themselves when it comes to using other people, using suffering people particularly to achieve partisan wins. They do it with children and school closings. They do it with blacks and abortion. They do it with the mentally ill and transgenderism and sex reassignment surgery. They do it with the coronavirus and anything and everything that can toss into a stimulus Bill, please expound on that because there's some excellent points. 
Well, look at what Democrats have done with this stimulus bill. If it, true stimulus is about a moment in time to jumpstart an economy, right? Mm-hmm. But this 1.9 trillion stimulus, uh, only a small portion is is for right now for payouts to suffering Americans, which, which there are some. There are some Americans who, through no fault of their own, have lost their jobs and seen their uh, financial uh, in in their own households dwindle, and so they need this money. But only a few percentage uh, points of this bill go toward that. The vast majority is aimed at down the line. Like we're looking at stimulus for the next two, three, four, five years even. And so are Democrats seriously planning on keeping the coronavirus as a political wedge for that long? I think they are. Because when you have the coronavirus, right, you can get away with saying, uh, with, with pushing any kind of financial package. Because you can always say it's for the good of the, the safety and health of the nation. So Democrats wrapped up in this stimulus bill are all these other provisions that have nothing to do with the coronavirus, but are laying the groundwork for more and more Democrat agendas to be pushed into policy without having to go through the actual accountability process, meaning coming forward in a separate bill where the American people can scrutinize and exactly. weigh in on the provisions. Exactly. Wow. So much that we don't know about what goes into these bills. Um, Cheryl Chumley, Washington Times, you've got a book out, Socialists Don't Sleep, Christians Must Rise or America Will Fall. That's not, you're not being sensational, provocative there. I really believe that this is the case. If Christians don't wake up, speak up, get engaged and informed and engaged, America will fall, and that means the freedom that we have, religious freedoms, are already being censored. Uh, your book, I've, I see a lot of great uh, endorsements. Will Witt, PragerU, Phil Robertson of Duck Dynasty, Michael Savage, Mike Huckabee, Cal Thomas. But we just had on uh, Sam Sorbo on the podcast on Friday, and her and her husband Kevin endorsed the book. Great conservative voices in Hollywood, a dark, dark place where they are shining a lot of light. They said, if you think socialism will inevitably lose at the polls. Think again. As Cheryl shows, the far left in both political parties has been eroding our freedoms for decades. And I want to jump into something that, um, before we run out of time with you today, that Christians need to be aware of. Chapter 5 in your book, Allowing Wolves in Sheep's Clothing to Teach Socialism as Biblical. Cheryl, this is one of the biggest issues, I think, for Christians. There's even a debate on the radio station that hosts Stand Up For The Truth on its Facebook page. There's people that are that don't want us to talk about the warning about socialism. They want to just say, God was all about love. Don't talk about this. You're dividing people between Republican and Democrat. And we're saying, no, we're warning about theft and socialism. So please speak to that as far as Christians not, I don't know, I guess they're confused about what socialism is. You know, uh, out of my entire book, um, the the one the one topic I covered that just really uh, made me more angry than the others was the idea of churches teaching that socialism is biblical, that Jesus yes, would embrace socialism if he were uh, voting in in America today. That's a, a disgusting, abhorrent aberration of biblical truth. Yes, and you know anybody who reads the Bible will understand that. Uh, the, the left points to a couple of provisions in the Bible that are taken out of context to pretend as if Jesus would want, because Jesus is all about love and helping uh, the downtrodden and those less fortunate, that Jesus would want socialism as America's economic and, and governing structure. Well, here's the thing that I always counter that with. Jesus never told people to go to your government and petition the government to take uh, money from all and redistribute it to those less fortunate. With Jesus, it was always about the individual, and that's what Christianity is. It's because of your love for God and your uh, belief in Jesus that you, based on your own heart, 
and out of your own compassion and out of your own Christian duty, you reach into your own pocket and give to those less fortunate. You don't turn around and, and demand the government take money from everybody and give it to other people and then pat yourself on the back as if you're doing biblical truths or, or if you're doing Christian uh, duty. It's out of your own pocket. It's a one-on-one relationship, and that is where socialism deviates from what Christianity is. Mm, great answer, and yes, uh, we, government control, government handouts are not the answer. The church is to help the poor. Individuals are. Thank you for clarifying that. I think more Christians need to have these conversations with other believers who think that socialism is going to help people because it's compassionate. Uh, we've got Cheryl Chumley on with us today. Her book is called Socialists Don't Sleep. Christians Must Rise or America Will Fall. When we come back, we'll touch on Christian nationalism, also how we have forgotten our roots and our history, and that leads us to deception when it comes to disguised socialism, and Democrats do a good job of disguising socialism. More with Cheryl Chumley when we come back on Stand Up For The Truth. Keep it right here. Your monthly financial support of StandUpForTheTruth.com is needed and appreciated. Now, back to today's Stand Up For The Truth with David Fiorazzo. Our guest today, Cheryl Chumley. Her website is CherylChumley.com. The book, Socialists Don't Sleep, Christians Must Rise or America Will Fall. You can subscribe to her updates and get a newsletter, some Christian conservative views on her website on the right-hand side. Um, Cheryl, we were talking about your chapter five, Allowing Wolves in Sheep's Clothing to Teach Socialism as Biblical. And uh, we were talking a little bit off air before we got back on that it is a head scratcher how they justify backing up socialism as a good thing, knowing that government has to grow. And that infringes on the rights and sometimes our taxes of the people. I don't understand. Can, I know you, you said that you don't get it either, but can we talk a little bit more about that? How do they how do they get into the churches, and how are they able to deceive people with this socialist agenda? Well, the, the, the socialist gospel um, at points in history has been part of the church before, and I, I, I go through that in my book. I go through the history of some social gospel preachers, uh, you know, back in the 1800s in America, and there were other points in time where they actually had a lot of influence in the church. But as far as I know, discussing this very topic with various people, uh, according to uh, some people who have gone through seminaries in America, the, the the socialism angle is actively being taught in a lot of America's schools that train the next generation of mm. preachers and pastors and priests in the proper way to go. So this is coming from the schools, the, the seminaries themselves. And honestly, it, it's, it's really an attack on the church and Christians have to have to read the Bible themselves and ask God for discernment, the wisdom to know the evil from the good. Because if they go to a certain type of church, they're getting that socialism preached as something of Jesus, mm. and it's just it's killing America. It's really uh, degrading what America stands for. And you make some excellent points in your book about this, and I encourage people to pick it up. It's uh, Socialists Don't Sleep, and they don't. Uh, Christians Must Rise or America Will Fall. Back in your prologue, um, you said uh, the left has taken the word socialism and reshaped and redefined. They've reworked it now, and they, um, they really, and that's part of deception, right? And they've been able to do this, and they get away with it. And you say by loosest definition, socialism means force. And we're seeing force, the heavy hand of government when it comes to the coronavirus, but we're also seeing taxes, we're seeing government spending, and we're just having a hard time connecting the dots. This, this comes out of our taxpayer pockets, aren't we? 
Yes. And you know what? You hit on a point of why I wrote the book. You know, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez didn't spring up overnight, mm. right? There, there was yeah. there was a path that had to have been laid to bring her into office. You know, this card-carrying, open, bragging socialist into office. Mm-hmm. And why I wrote the book was for what you just hit upon, that we need to understand the seeds of socialism as they're being planted so we can rip them out mm. before they grow and spread. And in my book, I talk about the various ways the Democrat Party in particular, but actually I have a chapter on Republicans too, uh, about how the collectivists in government have been able to spread socialism using a variety of deceptive ways. And one of the ways they do it is by disguising their intent with the rhetoric. The Democrat Party, if you look at their actions and what they stand for, they are card-carrying socialists. They just don't call themselves that. They call themselves progressive or democratic uh, progressives or democratic socialists. But we need to become aware of the deceptions that the left uses to bring socialism to the forefront. Absolutely. And uh, I think writers like you and books like this help us. They raise awareness about this and inform a lot of people. And knowledge is power. And didn't it say in the Old Testament, uh, um, God's people perish for lack of knowledge? Um, So it's not just biblical knowledge. It's actually knowing what's happening in culture and how to respond like uh, the men of Issachar did. They knew how to respond to the times. Um, Let's jump over to um, you talk about economic rights and how the definition of rights in America has never been broader. And this is something you hear people say, well, now they've got a right to free college. You've got a health care is a right. Now we've got all these other rights. But, uh, Cheryl, we've lost track of of our history and the Constitution, what our actual God-given rights are, because now too many people have been duped that we get our rights from government. Your thoughts? Yep. And this this is the core of what ails America. Our nation was built on the principle of Judeo-Christian ideology, right? And as part of that, what that means is we get our rights from God, not government. So as Christians remove themselves from the secular world and they don't involve themselves in the culture and the politics and the education system, we degrade that uh, core concept. We degrade mm-hmm. that awareness. And so that creates a void for government to step in and fill that void. So everything that ails America can go back to the fact that we have lost the idea idea of our rights coming from God, not government. And that's why we need Christians to stand up and get more involved, because who knows better about rights coming from God than those in the in the world of believers. Amen. Um, Cheryl, you talk about also that uh, this is a transference of morality for government, and it, it's kind of a perverted uh, church and state idea when morality doesn't come from government, and yet the two need to coexist, correct? Yeah, and and the left has done a really marvelous job about selling the idea of separation of church and state, Mm -hmm. which is nowhere in the Constitution, and which was not in the minds of founding fathers, even the founding fathers that you wouldn't consider uh, by historical truths to be card-carrying Christians. The, The founding fathers made clear that our democratic republic would fall in the face of a a citizenry that was not morally compassed. And by that, meaning morally compassed from above, the creator, from a recognition of virtues coming from a creator. And this is where our our country has fallen short. We've removed God from the public stage that creates the void for government to come in and not only control the political world, but also dictate rights versus wrongs. Cheryl Chumley, Washington Times, the book. I really encourage you guys to pick up a copy. It's called Socialists Don't Sleep, Christians Must Rise or America Will Fall. And you'll also sign up for her newsletter at CherylChumley.com. Thank you for your work and your voice and your light in the darkness. God bless you, Cheryl, for taking the time today. Oh, God bless you. Thank you for having me. You're very welcome. All right, I do want to uh, move on now and Before I do that, though, we've got another topic to get to, but I want to share a couple of the quotes from her article um, that we didn't get a chance to uh, talk about. Just because we were pressed for time, wanted to honor her time. But in her article on uh, how how the the COVID-19 rescue package was staged, 
it's really fascinating how she puts this in here. And let me just share with you. Um, she said, because we like the four, the fourteen hundred dollar check, right? We like the fact that yeah, we'll get some money, but we're going to get all that. We're going to pay all that back in higher taxes in some way, whether that's gasoline tax, whether that's groceries, whether that's other t- income tax, different taxes that are going to be raised because of the Biden administration policies. We're going to basically it's going to be a wash. And a lot of us are going to be paying more long term than just fourteen hundred dollars. Do you understand that? So in her article, she said, um, Uh, They do it with the coronavirus and anything and everything they can toss into a stimulus bill. She says, you want your $1,400 check, America? Well, then get the Republicans on board with $50 million in grants, contracts, and other agency activities that implement the environmental justice purposes and objectives, unquote. Now, that's from this bill. Now, they took this from an executive order signed by Bill Clinton called federal actions to address environmental justice in minority populations and low-income populations. What does this have to do with COVID-19? What does this have to do with coronavirus relief? People that have lost their jobs or been laid off or their hours have been cut or they're working from home or they've lost a loved one or people are, you know, restaurants having to cut back businesses. What does this have to do? Environmental justice? That's in this $1.9 trillion stimulus package. So she goes on in this article. Do you want that federal dole out to pay this month's mortgage or rent, America? Well, then shut up about the $50 million for, quote, family planning that will most likely end up in Planned Parenthood. Planned Parenthood's coffers to be used in the furtherance of abortion counseling and even abortion procedures. You want that emergency check that'll keep some food on the table for you and your kids for maybe a month, America? Well, then call your representatives in the House, contact your senators in the the Senate, make sure they know you're A-OK with the $500 million that will go to libraries, museums, the National Endowment for the Humanities and the National Endowment for the Arts to programs to, quote, ensure the survival and continuing vitality of the Native American languages during and after the public COVID-19 health emergency and the like. What does that have to do with coronavirus relief? That $47.5 billion in Section 1003 appropriated for necessary administrative expenses to carry out provisions of the bill that are earmarked for funding. Don't worry about it. What about that $46 billion in Section 3011 to implement a national testing, contact tracing, surveillance, for surveillance and mitigation system on the federal state, local, and territorial levels, along with the $7.6 billion to distribute the vaccine and perform contact tracing, along with the $1.8 billion in Section 3035 to test, vaccinate, and contact trace. (laughs) This is amazing here. Specifically in prisons, jails, detention centers, long-term care facilities, and other residential and medical care facilities, along with the $1.5 billion in Section 3041 for contact tracing for Indian health. Why not just a single contact tracing sum? Don't worry about it. So she writes, even the monies set for direct citizen relief aren't monies well spent. They're more monies meant to make the American public more dependent on government, not less. And in a free market, that's contradictory to the long-term success of the national economy. This bill is nothing but a boondoggle. If Democrats were truly interested in helping America out of this COVID-19 mess, they'd fight for a return to self-sufficiency. They'd fight to reopen the country, restart the economy, return to pre 
coronavirus normalcy, not dig the debt hole deeper. They'd fight for a rebound based on capitalism rather than sinking the country deeper into resource distribution, redistribution, and socialism. So Cheryl Chumley can be reached on her website. She's got a, uh, an email address at thewashingtontimes.com. She's also on Twitter. Um, but just some great points. And I thought it was very well written because, yeah, we, we, it's nice to get a check for 600 or 1400 or $1,200, right, America? But then we're ignoring the $50 million here, the uh, $500 million there, and all these different provisions of this, quote, relief package that don't really go to relieve people who are suffering. And it wasn't that the purpose of it all. But as you know, the progressives never let a serious crisis go to waste. And now here comes um, the Biden administration massive tax hike plan. And it is a plan. They've been planning it for a long time. A couple more things we'll get to on this topic. A couple points you should know about the $1.9 trillion spending package. And I've got a couple highlights I want to share with you, and then some of the reasons it is essential for the local church to remain open to the community during the COVID-19 crisis. More on Stand Up For The Truth in just a minute. Thank you for listening and sharing today's show via StandUpForTheTruth.com slash podcast. Now, back to Stand Up For The Truth. Here's David Fiorazzo. All right, I don't want to spend a whole lot more time on this because we have talked about this um, throughout the weeks here as leading up to this um, 1.9 trillion um, COVID relief bill, which is not a COVID relief bill in its truest sense. But um, the American Rescue Plan is what they're calling it, is a stealth step towards socialism, like it or not. And hey, I was just talking with, with Spike. Uh, he, he got money in his account over the weekend. Um, a lot of people have. But free government money, um, it, it's almost impossible to resist, even for fiscal conservatives. But this this package, uh, it's not, I mean, I've been working ever since the shutdowns. Uh, my job was not affected. In fact, I got busier. And I think some of you can relate to that. We shouldn't get the money. I shouldn't have gotten any money. Um, I'm not, I wasn't affected by that. But my taxes will go up now because, you know, I'll, I guess apparently I'll, there'll be money in my account. But these are just some things we have to ask ourselves. What kind of country do we want? Do we want to rely on government? Cheryl Chumley made that point in the previous segment. We this the danger of this is we become more reliant on government, and in the next crisis, whatever that might be, um, we will say, okay, well the government gave us a little extra last time. Maybe they'll help this time when things get tight. And as you know, that's not really an American concept. Um. Yeah, so the good thing about spending other people's money is that waste and fraud are oh so easy to cover, tax hikes. And be ready, friends, and we know it's coming. The gas price is already going up because of Biden policies. I'm, you probably noticed that if you've done any amount of driving or traveling. It's not only the gas prices, other property taxes, other things I'm sure will be affected. It's just a matter of time because you've got to ask yourself the question, how are they paying for Hundreds of millions of dollars going to Democrat states. We talked last week. San Francisco apparently is in line for $650 million over the next couple of years because they haven't run the, st- the state or the city. This just, this just, that's just one city, San Francisco. Anyway, um, we did that report last week on the money going to blue states. Is that fair? What about a state like South Dakota or Oklahoma that are fiscally conservative and they don't they are they are not in debt and they run their their states with integrity and they do right by their citizens and don't raise the taxes and they're not be, give, being given money like an Illinois or as California or a Massachusetts you know what I mean is that fair no no it's not so um, the bill the money from this bill is going to things that have nothing to do with COVID and everything to do with um, politics and scratching 
people's backs. So let's move on here. Okay, one more. One more article from Breitbart. Uh, L.A. Mayor Eric Garcetti, ecstatic. Why? Apparently, a $1.35 billion windfall is coming to him in L.A. from the COVID relief bill. $1.35 billion to Los Angeles. So I just mentioned San Francisco. Now we mentioned L.A. I'm sure Baltimore, Chicago, Atlanta. Um, we just go on down the list. Seattle, Portland. You know, go on down the list of these. Okay, I won't even. I, I, I held back a descriptor. Thank you, fruit of self-control. <laughs> I held back on that one. I could have gotten in a lot of trouble had I said what I was about to say. But, okay, the legislation, though, for this bill is expected to provide $306 million to San Diego, $192 million to Oakland, $223 million to San Jose, progressive, socialist, godless states. I mean cities, cities in a um, godless state of California. Not to say that there aren't any Christians and conservatives that live there, but you know how it goes, right? Okay, got to put that one aside. Um, so another article. Now this one back to the Washington Times. Um, this overhaul bill passed without a single Republican vote in the House. I think there's a couple senators that were Republican that voted for it, if I'm not mistaken. But don't quote me. But I remember reading that a couple, three, four senators. So, you know, I mean, you know the rhinos, right? There's a lot of rhinos, Republican in name only. So... Pelosi's package, she got all the support that she needed from her party, right? Because they have the majority. Now they can do whatever they want. And America will pay. I was thinking about the schools. A lot of money is going to the government-run schools. So the government is giving money to the government because the government runs schools, right? National Education Association and public schools. So the taxpayer money is being taken through taxes by the IRS, by the government, and they're giving it to government, state, city, I'm sorry, city governments, state governments, government education, the National Education Association, right, the U.S. Department of Education. Our money is going to the government. And we're talking about $1.9 trillion and billions and billions of that that we know of going to some of these causes that, or states or cities, and we're kind of going, wow. Sure, ga- sure glad I got that uh, individual $1,400 check. We'll be paying more than that. But let's just go to this next article here. Or Actually, I've got a list. Now, this was uh, a church put this out. Um, I was very disappointed. I looked at a city, and I'm not going to mention the name because I don't think it, that's that, this is counterproductive. But there's one of our guests on Stand Up For The Truth, their church, has been open, have been fighting this, uh, the, the coronavirus shutdown nonsense, the lockdown, the limitations on churches. And uh, he has been just such a, a godly man in the way he stood up for Christ and biblical principles and staying open to serve not only his people but his community. And there's another big Christian church right near him in the same town or city that they're following all the regulations. They were shut down until December. So most of last year, they were shut down until December. They opened up, and then they required masks and social distancing and uh, limits on singing and limits on capacity. I think they were at 25% only allowed in um, their church. So Different, interesting. You got two different con- this contrast, two different policies or b- ways of looking at things from two different tr- Christian churches. And I will tell you, in those two churches, their doctrines are sound in the two particular churches. One of them is one of our guests on Stand Up for the Truth, and there's another very good, you know, church there. But their reaction to the Rona. Um, it's a head-scratcher, but that's just the body of Christ. We, we're divided over this, aren't we? So I got this list of some of the reasons it is essential for local churches to remain open and be responsible 
not only to your churchgoers, but to the surrounding community. And just some bullet points here I want to share before I get into this article. Um, the next article. So to, to families, we are responsible to families who have lost loved ones to COVID-19. We offer prayer, loving support, godly care, and counsel, even if they've never attended our church. So if someone in our church is a family member, um, it doesn't matter whether they're a believer or not. The, the family member is, and we are going to love them and support them as if they lost a loved one. Also, even as COVID-19 has a 99% survival rate, we recognize that it's disproportionately that it disproportionately affects the elderly and those with um, other symptoms, other um, illnesses, and that are compromised. We have staff and volunteers devoted to collecting and delivering food, paper goods, and other essentials to provide uh, to help people uh, who need shelter in place, who need to shelter in place, I should say. Um, some of the most vulnerable among us, abused women and children, now suffer in quarantine with their abusers. And uh, let me parenthetically insert in some blue states where the quarantine laws are strictly or they're enforcing those. They desperately need prayer, support, and encouragement. My heart goes out to them uh, for these women and children. Um, lockdowns have caused measurable increases in depression, anxiety, suicide. Individuals and their families who are suffering in this way need prayer, support, and encouragement. And if the church is closed, uh, you know, call your local psychic or help, um, some try to get through on a, on a secular hotline, see if that helps. No, the church is the vehicle that God put in place to help those who are suffering, those who are in need. Um, next, many special needs children cannot receive their therapies, and they and their families need prayer, support, and encouragement. Next, uh, many people with cancer and other diseases must delay or forego life-saving, tre life-saving treatments and surgeries, and they and their families need prayer, support, and encouragement. Many people are food insecure, Never heard it put that way. Due to unemployment, reduced hours and wages, and forced furloughs, and they and their families need help. Many people have been forced to close their businesses or forfeit their livelihoods, either temporarily or permanently. A high percentage of our community's businesses that have closed will never reopen. And these people need support of the local essential church that is to be open to the public. Many of our neighbors now work from home while homeschooling their children and still having to pay taxes uh, from their depleted incomes. These families need help from the local church. So just some bullet points there I thought were good reminders of why the church is essential and why we need to be open and remain open. So we'll try to get, I got two more I'm going to try to squeeze in here. Uh, maybe three, but that's a little ambitious with the time remaining. Uh, Texas Lieutenant Governor Patrick, there's a border situation down that th in Mexico, on uh, the U.S. border down there, that they are not reporting on in the media. Surprise, surprise. Um, the situation at the nation's border under President Joe Biden is worse than a crisis. It's a full-blown disaster they've created. That's Texas Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick. He said this a few days ago. What they need to do is close the border, he said in an interview. It's wide open. I've been working on the border for nearly 16 years. A lot of trips over there and all over the border, day and night patrols, you name it. This is the worst I've seen, the problem at the border. It's an absolute disaster. Uh, President Biden is nothing more than a prop of the left. He has no idea what's going on down there. Not only that, but there is no end in sight to these people coming over the border. We are talking about millions of people who are being victimized by the Biden administration. The Texas National Guard has said it will send 500 troops to help with this surge, and they'll be added to the troops already there, to the nearly 1,000 Texas state troopers on duty, said Dan Patrick. The state of Texas has spent almost a billion dollars in every budget since I got elected in 2015 with Governor Greg Abbott because the federal government is not doing its job on our southern border. We will 
I'm sorry, we were able to relax because under the Trump administration, he actually did his job and we were in good shape on the border before Biden got elected. Um, He also claimed that Border Patrol agents have not been vaccinated against COVID-19, but the state of Texas is vaccinating its own people who are on border duty as they are susceptible to the disease with people coming over, being allowed in the country with no vaccines. Um, White House Chief of Staff Ron Klain has said that the Biden administration, quote, inherited a real mess from the Trump administration on the border. And they are committed to a policy that follows the rule of law, and that is humane. Um, Patrick said he's just calling BS on that. (laughs) That's a quote. (laughs) They must have legalized marijuana in the White House and they're all smoking it. (laughs) This is a quote from Texas Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick. Oh, I needed that today. Oh, yeah, I know. They're smoking something there. Um, uh, These people are clueless. They have no idea. Let me give you a practical reality of this, whether it's in a town near you or Texas. What do you do with this 14 or 15-year-old kid who comes across the border illegally, is sent to some city, put in a school system, two or three uh, grade levels behind at best? You can't put a 15-year-old in a fourth grade class. What do you do with them? They drop out because their self-esteem is low. They can't keep up. They either get a low-working or low-paying job for the rest of their life because they have no education or they, worst, worst case, join a gang because that's who recruits them. Now, that was serious, and this is something that is going on across the country in cities. They're recruiting these, can we call them illegal aliens? Do we have to call them undocumented workers? Uh, future, future Democrat Americans? What, what do we call them? Um, so he said we need a legal Shoot, we are running out of time. Immigration system that is truly humane. And he agrees with that, of course. But, you know, notice how they they used to call the uh, Trump kids in cages. Now they are relocation facilities under Biden. The same thing. They're doing the same thing anyway. So Biden is the anti-faith administration as well. We've just got a minute or so left here. But very brief point. Um, Sarah Perry, a legal fellow at the Heritage Foundation, The clues are already apparent. It is significant that there are some issues with this um, Biden administration being against the God of the Bible, the God of truth, the Judeo-Christian principles and values. And uh, that's been clear in almost every Biden executive order or policy. Not everyone, but almost. So we do have an anti—I wouldn't say anti-faith administration because Biden is very pro-Islam. I would say he is an anti-Christian administration, just like the Obama administration. We should have uh, understood what was coming. We we documented that very extensively um, during the Obama-Biden years. And now we've ha- we have the O'Biden-Harris administration. And I was going to ask Cheryl Chumley, who we interviewed the first part of this podcast, I was going to ask her um, how long before we have President Harris. Uh, didn't get a chance to ask her that question, though. I think I should put that on the the schedule for every guest now that comes on. How long before President Harris? But anyway, we appreciate you guys. Um, Keep the faith because we know where our hope lies. But we just have to get that message of truth out to people, make sure that people are informed, not overwhelmed by what's going on in our culture. But hey, let's bring them up to speed because there's so much deception out there and so much misinformation purposely by the progressive media. When we come back, I'll let you know who our guests are the rest of this week on Stand Up For The Truth. Stand Up For The Truth, a ministry of Lakeshore Communications Incorporated. Keep the discussion going on social media. Stand Up WI on Facebook and Twitter. Now we wrap up today's Stand Up For The Truth. Tomorrow, prophecy expert John Haller is going to be back with us. He's a pastor, elder, teacher, known for his really well-done weekly prophecy updates. He's at Fellowship Bible Chapel in Ohio. I think it's Columbus, Ohio, but you can check him out, get a sneak peek of what we'll talk about tomorrow. Go to the FBC YouTube channel uh, or just uh, go and search John Haller. He'll be our guest tomorrow. Um, can't wait to talk. He's always got so much information. We can't possibly squeeze it in, but we'll try. You know us. Hey, God bless you. Thanks again for tuning in. And as always, keep speaking the truth about things that matter.